times. Are you getting the word? And there's been just this theme that's been on my heart. Of course, you know, we've been talking about Jesus. He's more than just a man. I've been talking about show us, his, show us your glory. And just that understanding of recognizing we need something greater than just ourselves. You know, last week I, I gave you a phrase that for the last week's service, and it was ceasing from our own ability and being dependent upon the ability of another. Say that with me. Ceasing from my own ability and being dependent upon the ability of another. And so I want to continue with that and as, as we continue looking at Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah 33. As we think about the glory of God, and we've, we've looked at this at so many different angles and and, and, and in connection with Jesus, because remember, as we, it says, as we behold Jesus, we, as we behold Jesus, we'll gain knowledge of the glory of God. Amen. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And so I don't know about you, but I want to grow in understanding and knowledge of the glory of God. So what do I need to do? The word says I need to look at Jesus. And so here as your pastor, I'm here wanting to illuminate our hearts so we can grasp and lay hold of the things that are within the word of God that we have a right to. You know, the glory of God. Moses declared, show me your glory. Why? Because he recognized that he had, he recognized I need something in my life if I'm going to go where God desires me to go. You know, the nature, what's the nature of the glory of God? We, we've talked different aspects of that. Last week we talked about rest. You know, when you're in his presence, because his glory is what? His goodness, his presence, his power. And part of the nature we we learned last week was rest. So as we look at the glory of God, the nature of the glory of God, what what is the nature of God? Not just referring to the glory of God. You can't separate his glory from, from him, right? So what is the nature of God? God is love, right? But a nature, nature isn't found in just who someone is or what someone is, but it's also a nature of something is found in what they do. You know, if, if I am a, for instance, what is the, my nature as Justin? Okay, well, I'm a man. Nature is, is not just in who I am, but it's also what I do. I'm a pastor. Also, I am a husband. Also, I'm a father. So, so you have to understand nature of something isn't just what someone is or what something is, but it's also what do they do. So as we look at the nature of God, just for a moment before I go forward, I want you to see that God is love, but what is the work of God? The work of God is restoration. If we look, at, we look at God from beginning of the book to the end of the book, and we go through 66 books of the Bible, and we look through the 40 different people that wrote the Bible over a 1,500-year period of time, you're going to see a common thread throughout Scripture, and it's this, that, that, that God desires to restore. If you look at the th- first three books of the Bible, and you look at the last three books of the Bible, everything else in between is about God restoring man to where he always desired him to be. From the moment that man fell in the garden in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, God said, I'm sending someone. He cursed the serpent and goes, I'm sending someone and he's going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. 
meaning there's one coming. So the moment that man fell, because God is a nature of love, his nature is love. Who he is and what he is is love. But what does he do? He restores. The work of restoration, the work of love is restoration. Because he loves you, he wants to see you restored. Because he loves you, he wants to see you healed. Because he loves you, he desires great things to happen in your life. Because he loves you. I love what Cassie just said to us and just encouraged the atmosphere. Just talking about about, that, that, that you're a champion on the inside. That God sees you as a champion. He doesn't see you as a failure. It doesn't matter what you see yourself as in the natural. You need to understand what God sees you because God sees sees you because he loves you and he sees restoration. On his mind in your life right now is restoration. What he sees right now in your life is restoration. What is God thinking about you right now? Restoring you. Whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, you know what? You might say, you know what, Pastor, my life has been great. You know what? But he's not done working in your life. He's not, he's not, he's not done restoring you. He's continued to work and move in your life. It doesn't matter what you see right now because who is he? He's love. But what is he desiring to do in you? And that is constantly restoration. That's why, that's why he says when we behold his face as in a mirror, it says that we are transformed, what, from glory to glory. So, see, see, the heart of glory is about restoration, restoring something to you. He wants you restored in every aspect of your life. This is his heartbeat. This is his desire. Now, I love that song. When he walks into the room, everything changes. Why? Because the heart of God is to restore your life, restore you emotionally, physically, financially. How many people, you know, am I the only one that's been through some really horrible stuff? You can lift your hand. Come on. Just, just work with your pastor this morning. You know, have you been through some horrible stuff this morning? Well, it doesn't matter where you are. I can, I'm a testimony of God's faithfulness. I'm a testimony to God's ability to restore. You know, the word restore, if you look at it in the, in the Hebrew, the word restore means to make amends. It means to make good or it means to bring to a place of peace. If you look at the word restoration or restore in the Greek, there's two different words that make this word up. And one word, one word means to make or to set in motion. Another word is, is a completion or it means a reversal. That's my phone, actually. Sorry. (laughs) Didn't silence my cell phone. (laughs) Maybe that's an email from God. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) And so this word restoration, I really want you to get a hold of this this morning. The word restoration in the the Webster's is an action of returning returning something to its former state or position. And if you take these two Greek words, one means to set in place, to conduct, to appoint, or to make. The second Greek word is to separate, complete, reversal, or depart. So if I take these two Greek words that make up the word restore, it says this, to conduct a reversal and bring to a completed state. Or you could say it this way, to depart from where you are and arrive at God's completed destination. See, this is his heart to restore. You know, in, the, in Isaiah 42, it talked about how God's people were bound, that they were broken. And, it said that, and God really told Isaiah why that was happening. He said, because I, my priests, talking about people like me, ministers, they said are blind and they're deaf. 
And it says that no, none of them are saying restore. So you know what? I don't want to be guilty of what the, the ministers were in his day. So I want to declare restore over you. Wherever you're at in your life right now, I want to declare restore over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, because this is his heart for you. And see, you know what? And it doesn't, and this is what I love about God. It doesn't matter. Maybe you were the cause for your problem right now. Maybe you've been your biggest problem all your life. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether, whether God, you understand God, God didn't send Jesus because we deserved it. He sent Jesus because he, we needed him to restore us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just get, just get hooked up with what he wants to do right now in your life. And he wants to restore. And here in Jeremiah 33. Verse 1, it says, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying. You know, sometimes you just, when you're in prison, you just need a word from God, right? So that he, was, he was shut up in prison. So no, no better place to, to get a word from God than when you're in prison, right? So no matter where you are in your life right now, you need a word from God, right? Verse 2 says, Thus says the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which you don't know. Let me read this in the message. It says, it says, when Jeremiah was still locked up in jail, a second message from God was given to him. This, this is God's message, the God who made it livable and lasting, known everywhere as God. Call to him and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wonder things that you could never figure out on your own. This is what God, the God of Israel, has to say about what's going on in this city. So you, you understand the God, our God... His desire says, if we call unto him, he answers. See, I think, I think that's, that's just pretty much something I've seen throughout Scripture. When Moses said, show me your glory, what was he doing? He was calling unto God. But what happened immediately? God said, said I will. God showed up and said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will show you. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. So here he says, if you call unto me, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. Let's go to verse six. He says, behold, I will bring it health and cure. I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Meaning, meaning, I want to take you back to what your original purpose was. Whatever you were, I want to take you back to what you were, for, what you were supposed to do the first. It doesn't matter what it looked like back then. I want you to realize that I'm going to reverse this. I'm going to turn your captivity around, and I'm going to bring you back to as you were the first. Almost like you never messed up. Almost like you never sinned. Almost that nothing ever was problem. Almost like you had never had a doctor's report. Almost like nothing else had ever changed. It was almost just as always you always were. See, that's what restoration is all about, to bring you back as if you never had an issue. There was never a problem. 
Verse 8 says, And I will cleanse them from all their iniquities whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned, whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, of praise and honor before all nations of the earth which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for, for all the goodness, for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I, procure, that I procure on it, unto it. Man, listen to that. Tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. All the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure on it. Man, this is restoration. And see, this is his desire for his people. So that's me. This is his desire for you and for me. Let's look at verse 14. It says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise. I will fulfill the good promise. I have made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. See, it's coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill my good promise. So there's a promise, there's a promise attached to everything he's saying here. Everything that he's saying here is a promise to his people. And he's saying these days are coming. Look at your neighbor and said, those days are coming. Verse 15 says, in those days and at that time, now get this, I will cause a righteous branch the Messiah to grow up unto David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land in those days. So he's talking about these days being promised. Then it tells us, and then it tells us in those days, it'll be a time when a righteous branch, a righteous branch to grow up unto David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah shall be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name by which it shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of the house of David. Now, why do I bring this out? Because I want you to see God's heartbeat. This whole chapter is about restoration. This whole chapter is about what he desires and what he desires to pour out on you, Joseph, what he desires to pour out on you and uh, Art and Rose, what he desires to do for each and every single one of you. This is his heart. And he tells us about those days and what will happen. It says there's a branch that's going to come out of David. See, this is a prophetic scripture and it's talking about Jesus. You see, we're looking at Jesus. He's more than just a man. He was more than just a man that lived 2,000 years ago. He is, he is Jesus. He is the righteous branch. He is the Lord, the righteous one. Now, what's a better terminology for the righteous one? He's, he's the Lord, our righteous Savior. What's a, what's a better way of looking at that this morning? He makes things right. That's restoration. If something was wrong, something was broken, something is stolen, and all of a sudden the Lord, the author, another word for Lord could be author of, the originator of, the, 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 the king of, rightness. See, he wants to make things right in your life. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Jesus is more, behold, he's more than just a man. Thank you, Father. 
look at verse 19. And John, calling to him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the one that should come, or should we look for another? Are you the one, or should we look for another? You see, John the Baptist, he knew about Jeremiah. He knew about this this righteous branch. He knew about the prophetic words. He, He knew things about this one that was to come. But yet in himself, he was like, well, is there someone else? Because after all, I'm in prison right now. And after all, this one that's supposed to come, he's supposed to set us all free. So how come if, if, if he's supposed to set everyone free, how come I'm still in these shackles? So he, he tells his disciples, go, go, go to Jesus and ask him, is he the one or should we look for another? Verse 20 says, And when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist sent us unto thee, saying, Are thou the one should come, or look we for another? In verse 21, And in the same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues of evil spirits, and unto them that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised To the poor, the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. So what was Jesus' response? He pulled out Old Testament scriptures. He pulled out Old Testament understandings. You see why? Because John understood the word. John understood the word. He said, these are the things that you're seeing. These are the things that are happening. These are the things that are taking place. And everything that Jesus was telling them had to do with restoration. See, John knew that something about this Messiah. He knew, knew something about this one that was to come. He, he knew Isaiah 10, 27, where it talked about this branch, this righteous one, this branch that would come and the anointing would be on him. And it would said the anointing would destroy the yoke. The anointing would take away the yoke and it would remove the burden. So here, here John is thinking, he goes, is this the one? Is Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus saying, is saying to him, you know what? I'm the one taking away burdens. I'm the one removing burdens. I'm the one destroying burdens. I, I'm the one restoring the deaf. I'm the one restoring the blind. I'm the one that's setting the captives free. I'm the one that's preaching the gospel to the poor. I'm preaching the gospel to the poor to tell them that they don't need to be poor. They don't need to live poor. They don't need to live hopeless. They don't need to live without revelation. They don't need to live without certain things. So when Jesus says, tell them what you're seeing, tell them what you see and what you hear. I am the righteous branch. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I am. That's who I am. Because he understood something about the Messiah. What was the Messiah? It, it was the, he was going to be the, the one with, with uh, the, he was going to be the Christos. He was going to be the anointed one. He was going to be the anointed one. You see, if we look at, if we look at Jesus this morning, we have to see him. He is the anointed one and the very nature of the anointed one is to restore. Where are you at in your life this, this morning? Man, the anointing one wants to get hooked up with you. The anointing wants to get involved right where you're at this morning. 
You see, if you're in fear, that is a yoke and a burden. And it says the anointing removes and destroys those things. If you're bound in, in relationships, you're bound in addictions, realize the nature of the anointing is to, to remove and take away. What, what is a yoke? A yoke is set on you to control you where you go. That's what a yoke is. It's, uh, that's what they would do with oxen. They put a yoke around them to where those strings, when you pull them on the left or the right, it will cause that animal, that oxen, to go anywhere it wants to go. And that's what the enemy desires to do in your life. He wants to yoke you to cause you to go where you don't want to go. Cause you to be what you don't want to be. But yet the anointing, Jesus... It says he removes and he takes away. And I love that it says he destroys it. And I love the word that door destroy means to grind to powder, meaning you cannot even put it back together again. So whatever you're, wherever you're at this morning, realize he wants to, he wants to totally destroy whatever's been hindering your entire life. That's the nature of the glory. Say, show me your, when you say, show me your glory, you're saying, God, I thank you for the anointing that removes burdens. And I thank you for the anointing that destroys yokes. Behold, he's more than just a man. He was saying, he was, he was saying, go back and tell John that I am the anointed one. Let's look at Luke chapter four, go back three, three chapters. Thank you, father. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What's the acceptable year of the Lord? It was the year of Jubilee, meaning it was the year, every seven years, it was that year when anyone was in debt would be set free. Hallelujah. If you owed any man anything, that, 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 that debt was forgiven. Wow. That's what he came to preach. Meaning he came to declare, the spirit is on me. You could say the anointing is on me to preach restoration and bring about total freedom. Verse 20 says, and he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, he began to say to them. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. The scripture, meaning the things written in the Old Testament. That where we read in Jeremiah 33, where it said this righteous branch that will come and make things right. Jesus stood up and he was reading Isaiah 61, saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he sat down and he said all their eyes were fastened on him. Why were their eyes fastened on him? Because... They were like, what just happened? And, and it wasn't just the fact that he sat down. It was where he sat down. You see, you see, in that time, in that age, there in the synagogue, there was an empty chair. 
and they called it the seat of the Messiah. And when they would, they would go there, they would realize, they would realize, and it was their faith and their expectancy that the Messiah would come and that they, they would have a place for him to sit. It was an honored place. It was a place of prestige. So, so that's why it made it such a big deal. It says when he sat down, their eyes fastened on him because what that, what chair that was empty every week, every time they came together was no longer empty. There was someone sitting in the chair. And so when he read, he read the description of the Messiah and said what he would do and how that anointing was on him. He sat down, all their eyes fastened on him. You know what? A few verses later, you realize they didn't like it because they took him out to try to stone him. It wasn't just sitting down. No, he sat down and he said the scriptures. (laughs) This day, the scriptures fulfilled, not, not, not started. No, it's fulfilled. Meaning, meaning the Messiah is here. The righteous one, the one that makes things right is here right now. He's, it's not, it's not sometime in the future. It's right now. So you need to understand as you look at the Messiah, you realize he sat down. He sat down, but I have greater news for you this morning. Realize he went and he paid the price for you. He went to the lower parts of the earth. He rose again on the third day. He took his blood and he went into the Holy of Holies and he, and he, and he sprinkled his on the mercy seat. And it said, he sat down next to the father, meaning it was a completed work. It was a finished work. It, it was something that had been accomplished. Meaning, meaning not only did he, he, he fulfill scripture then, but he fulfilled it when he went into heaven and restoration was only was available to everyone that would just lay hold of it and believe it. The Messiah, as we look at the Messiah, he is the anointed one. He is the one that makes things right. I remember, you know, uh, almost 11 years ago, I remember being in, coming out of a situation and in, in, in a difficult time. Some of you heard me tell the story. And, and I, remember, I remember the Lord telling me these words. I was on an airplane headed to see a friend and, and was saying, Lord, what, what is the rest of my life going to look like? I, I was just in this, this horrible situation and not sure, okay, God, what are you going to do with my life? And man, do I need to move? Do I need to leave? What do you, what do you want me to do? Where, and I just, my life was totally, totally wrecked in the natural. And in, 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 in my mind, and in, in my natural mind, I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I don't, I don't want to stay here. I'll just, I'll just leave. And I'm, I'm driving down, I'm driving down West Cleburne Road. And, and, and I was just like, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to go back to Maryland. I'm going to go back. I can go back and work in sales and marketing. I can, I can do those things. I, I don't, you know, it, it, whatever. And I'm sitting there, I'm driving and just kind of frustrated inside, anxious inside because I don't know what my future looks like. And I remember driving and, and I just heard this voice in my heart uh, speaking above the noise, uh, the other noise. And, he, and, and I heard this phrase, quit and do what? And he said, I, I want you to go read John chapter 6. So I, I, I get to a, a place where I, where I wasn't driving, and I, I pull out my Bible, and I'm looking at John chapter 6, and it's like the longest chapter in John. <laughs> it's like 73 verses or something like that. And, and I'm reading, I'm reading, you know, there's no answer in the first 10 verses, or the 20, or the 30, or the 40. Get to around 58, and, and, and there's, all right, okay, okay, Lord, what do you want me to see here? What, what do you want me to see here, Lord? What do you want me to see? 
I'm like, okay, you want me to eat your flesh, drink your blood? What, what, okay, I understand communion. I understand these things. What, what, what's going on? And, and, and so I keep reading. And, and, and he says, my, and he goes, says, he says my, my words are spirit and life. Your words are spirit and life. Your words are spirit and life. And, and he, he, Jesus is talking, and, and it said the seven disciples that had followed him, he said, they, they told Jesus, these are hard things for us to hear. And it said they turned around and they said they no, he, they no longer walked with him. And he turned around to Peter and he said, Peter, are you two going to walk away? Or all the, are you two going to walk away? And Peter says, where am I going to go? You have the words of life. And so I got to that part and I just, the Holy Spirit just came on me. Came on me and he, and, and, because you know what, the words are spirit in life. Jesus said what, the spirit is on me because he has anointed me. So, so the word, I have to realize that, that I was like, Jesus, and he was like, where are we going to go? Where am I going to go? Meaning the only way that my life is going to be restored if I stick to you, not run from you. The only way I'm going to get out of where I'm at right now is if I stick to the word and not walk away from the word. You know, and it was about a week after that, I was sitting on an airplane headed to a friend. And, and that's when the Lord said, keep your heart right and you'll be restored in less than a year. What? That was, that was the anointing. That was the Messiah directing my life. You know what? Because the enemy wants to come in and get you all uprooted in here. Have your heart going after so many different things. Instead of being founded on what you need to be founded on in the moment, it's the anointing. It's his word. It is Jesus. It's what Jesus already done. It's the Holy Spirit that came to talk to you about Jesus, to show you things to come, to empower you in this life. So you have to realize, you have to tap, I had to tap in, I had to tap into the anointing. I know it's a, it sounds like a real religious word, but it's real. You talk about the feeling the presence of God in the service, what do you send? That's the anointing. That's the anointing. You know, and for some of you, if you didn't know it, Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. It wasn't, it wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ. I'm just, you know, sometimes you have to, because when I was a kid, I thought, well, Christ is a good last name. But that's not, it was, it was a description of what was on him. It was the description of his nature. The word Christ is creo. And it means to, the root of it is to rub on or smear all over. And it's the anointing. It has to do with rubbing on oil. And there's a word, there's another word that's closely associated with this in the Greek, and it's called creomaya. And I love this word because to me, this really really encapsulates the anointing. And the word creomaya means to furnish what is needed. The word creomaya means to furnish what is needed. So when you talk about the anointing, it's to furnish what is needed. It's to provide what is needed. You know, and I don't know where you're at right now, but I know that Christ is able to furnish what's needed in your life. Wherever you're at. Behold, he's more than just a man. He is the righteous branch. The one that came came to make things right. He is the anointed one. The one that came to remove burdens and destroy yokes. He is the Christ. 
He is the, the Christos. He is the Kriomaya that is able to furnish what is needed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Came to furnish what is needed. Look at uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 46. Now let's look at the glory of God, or we could say the anointing of God in action. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, now just let me put, let's put a couple thoughts together real quick without taking a lot of time. He cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out, maybe kind of like Moses did, I beseech you, show me your glory. And what did he say? I let all my goodness pass before you, and I will show what mercy to whom I will show mercy. What did, I, what did Jeremiah 33 say? Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things. And he, and he went on and he talked about it, there's one, the, the one to come who would be a righteous branch out of what David. And he said there wouldn't be no more a man that would not sit on, sit on the throne that wouldn't be from the lineage of David. So here, there's something about blind Bartimaeus. There's something about this blind Bartimaeus. His father was Timaeus. He was the son of Timaeus, which he, some say he was a philosopher, and, but he was also had an understanding of a Christian understanding of Christ. And he probably taught his son about sometime in the future, there is this man that's going to come and he's going to be the anointed one. And so here, this blind Bartimaeus, who is the son of Timaeus, who was a religious philosopher who understood some things about scripture, taught his son. And all of a sudden, this Bartimaeus saw or not saw, but heard these different things about this man that was the anointed one was that was passing by that day. And he cried out and he said, he said, Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, what? Have mercy on me. He was calling and he was crying out. When he said son of David, he wasn't, he wasn't referring to David. He was referring to the Messiah. The son of David was referring to the one that would sit on David's throne. The one that would be after David. He's referring to the Messiah. He's referring to the Christ. He's referring to the anointed one. He's saying, I know, the one, I know you're the one that is to come. Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, have mercy. He's crying out for the anointing. No, the anointing is here. The anointing is here. And he's re, he has the ability to restore. I'm crying out to him. 48 says, and many charged him that he should not, he would hold his peace. And he, yet he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. All the more, all the more. He was crying out for, for mercy. He was crying out for mercy because he knew the nature of God was love. And he knew the work of God was restoration. See, mercy is a new Testament is an old Testament covenant word for love and kindness. For love. Mercy is the Old Testament word for the New Testament love. That makes sense? <laughs> so when he was saying the son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't just crying for the son of David. It wasn't just some religious saying. He was making a demand on the anointing. 
He's making a demand on the goodness of God. He was making a demand on the power of God. Rick, man, he was crying out saying, I need the anointing in my life. I need goodness in my life. I need the presence in my life. I need the power in my life. Because you know what? I, I, I may have been born blind, but you know what? I'm going to die seeing because I'm going to lay hold of the anointing. And, and we know the story. It says that he threw off his coat. Hallelujah. Verse 50 says, and he casting away as a garment and rose and came to Jesus. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stood still. Man, he stood still. I mean, it stopped him in his tracks. Why? Because he, he heard and sent someone lay hold of the anointing. He laid hold of a promise. Commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying, And be of good comfort, rise, he calls you. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said, Lord, that I might have received my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. See, he beheld Jesus. Even though he couldn't see him naturally, he beheld the Messiah. He laid hold of what the Messiah was sent for. Let's go to Hebrews 13. A couple more scriptures. Hebrews 13. Thank you, Father. Verse 6 in the Amplified. It says, So we take comfort and are courage and encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Say that with me. The Lord is my helper. He says, I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? He says, remember your leaders and superiors in authority, for it was they who brought to you the word of God. Observe tentatively and consider their manner of living, the outcome of their well-spent lives, and imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is a creator and a ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ, and their leaning of their entire personality, human personality on God, and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. So here he says what? The Lord is my helper. He goes on and say, now pay attention to those that you followed. Pay attention and observe their manner of life and imitate their faith. And verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, imitate their faith. What was the superiors? What was those that went before them? What was, imitate their faith. What was their faith in? Jesus the Christ. Jesus the anointed one. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, now get that. Jesus is the same yesterday. Imitate their faith. The Lord is your helper. He's your helper. Wherever you're at, right? know the Lord is your helper. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Behold, he's more than just a man. He is the anointed one. And he is the same yesterday, right now. Right now in this room, the anointed one is here. 
The word says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. Go to Romans 10, and I'll close with this, I think. Romans 10. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amplified says... The scripture says, no man who believes in him, who adheres to him, relies on or trusts in him, will ever be put to shame or be disappointed. No one, for there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all. And he generously bestows his riches upon all who call upon him in faith. For, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Forever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What did Jeremiah, what did I start off? Jeremiah, call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. Moses said, show me your glory. He said, I'll let all my goodness pass before you. Those that call upon him those that call upon him in faith so they shall be saved. Now, I know a lot of times we look at that as, as the salvation experience, and we can. But realize salvation is so much more than you just accepting him and going to heaven. That word salvation is sozo, it's soteria, it's, it's preservation, it's, 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 it's completeness. Those that call upon him shall be saved. And it says, those that call upon him shall not be ashamed. So as you call upon him, realize he's working on your behalf. The anointing is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the anointing this morning. Thank you for the anointing this morning. Father, I thank you for the anointing that... Removes burdens and destroys yokes. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the anointing that was yesterday. I thank you for the anointing that's today. And I thank you for the anointing that will be for tomorrow. I thank you that your anointing is working in this place right now. I thank you for your anointing. Manifesting in this place. your presence in this place. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, we love you, Father. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. Thank you, Lord. You're so faithful. Hallelujah. Show us your glory, your goodness, your presence, your power. As a family this morning, Lord, we, we behold Jesus and we behold him as the anointed one. We behold him as the one that is the restorer of all things.